0: Hello there everyone, Art Burns here, wishing you well today. So yesterday I talked about how the thoughts, the emotions, and the sensations of our bodies can sort of influence each other and and they can kind of become their own sort of self-propelling kind of thing, and that by bringing awareness to what is happening as it's happening, we start to gain an awareness of this process. And as we do that, we can start to step back from this process and sort of examine it, with almost a what we call a third person detachment right a non identification right, and so you know we could take this kind of logic a little step further, which is what i 'd like to do today with you is to talk about how you know the emotions themselves, the thoughts themselves and and the sensations in our body you know there you know a lot of times what we try to do is we we try to examine with mindfulness, you know, how kind of real all these things are, right? Of course they're real. They, they happen, right? It's not like a figment of your imagination, but but maybe I guess the question is how true they are, right? So a lot of times when we have a thought, right? which as we can all tell, especially as we, we start to really examine the process of our thoughts and, and emotions and the sensations, as we start to really become more aware of, of these, you know, this, this action that happens, we realize that the thoughts kind of come out of nowhere, right? And and they also dissolve into nowhere as well, right? And so when we can see that, that the thoughts are just coming from nowhere, right? We can start to now ask a couple of really important questions, right? Or, or I guess maybe bring awareness to what influences the thoughts at all. Like what, what makes a certain thought pop into our mind versus another thought, right? And, and because a lot of times it seems very random, uh, but it's not. <laughs> it's actually, in a lot of senses, you know, our thinking relies on our memory right? You know, what, what you are likely to think about at any given point of the day, and the emotion that you are likely to feel at any given point in the day, and the sensations in your body that you are likely to feel at any given point during the day are <laughs> sort of caused by what has happened in your life, okay? It's caused by, by what exists in your nervous system, right? you know, a lot of times I talk about, you know, uh, two people seeing a dog, right? Two people are together and they see a a beautiful uh, little black lab, right? It looks so friendly and you just want to go and cuddle it. At least that's how I feel when I see a black lab. So let's say it's me who has had nothing but good experiences with dogs in my life, right? Uh, There's always been friendly dogs. I I mean, I've been bit once or twice, but far, far outnumbered are the times that I I was really happy with a dog than the times that I was, you know, bit or scared by a dog, right? But let's say I'm with someone who was, you know, chased by a dog when, when she was little and bitten by that dog, right? And it was a very traumatic experience for her. Well, the dog exists in her nervous system as something that is based in fear, right? Something that causes fear. The dog exists in my nervous system as something I want to go and hug and kiss and nuzzle and, and play with, right? The same dog, right? Nothing changes about the dog, but how she and I are going to experience this is going to be completely different, right? So that, that same logic can apply to virtually every thought that comes into your mind, right? It's, it's based on what your, you know, what your experiences are in the long past and also just what the experiences is recently, right? And, and, but the, the point is, though, that without memory, right? And if you consider this for a moment, imagine you had no memory at all, then what would the thoughts possibly be, right? Because your thoughts are all based on the reference of the things that you know. And the things that you know are the things that you remember having experienced before, right? And so when we can look at it in this way, right? Like taking the dog example again, right? Like my friend here next to me, you know, one of us is probably wrong about the dog, right? Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about the dog. Maybe I I think this dog is nice and friendly. I'm about to go and and pet it and and say hi to it, and it growls at me. And I and I step back and I say, whoa, dog's not friendly. He's not he's not in the mood to be pet right now. So I better take a step back. Or maybe the dog is very friendly and he wags his tail and gets excited as I come closer. Well, then what my friend is feeling about that dog is absolutely not true, right? So, so the point is that, that when, we, when we kind of realize this fact, right, that, that our thoughts and our emotions and the sensations that they make happen in our bodies, they're not necessarily true, right, because they are based on our past experiences, Right now, of course, this gets to where our past experiences can kind of create the future experience, right? Because we're going to make decisions and we're going to have perceptions on, on our plans and our future actions, you know, based on what we believe to be true, right? And so what mindfulness allows us to do is question this, right? And, and to, to bring a little bit of a challenge to this and to say, hold on a second, is this thought that I'm thinking, is it true? Are these emotions that I'm feeling, are they real? You know, I mean, of course, again, they're real. Yes, you're feeling them. Nobody's nobody's questioning that. But but are they true? Are they really what you know you think they are? And and as we bring a non-judging awareness to this process, we can then start asking those questions, and so we can ask them in a um, uh, an objective and sort of like I say, a third-party kind of um, detachment that allows us to see them. For what they really are just last night i was meeting with some clients and one of my clients kept saying something over and over again that was just profoundly true and i'm so proud of him the work that he's doing but um he says that the the sensation in his body is exactly the same if he's feeling excitement or he's feeling anxiety the feeling is no different okay the physical sensation is no different between anxiety and excitement right? That's what I'm talking about. So what is the difference, right? The difference is the emotion that we're attaching to that physical sensation, right? If we're feeling a sense of fear, then that's called anxiety. If we're feeling a sense of love, then that's called excitement, right? But the physical feeling is no different. Right. And so when we can bring awareness and now now to take that step further, he, you know, my client and I were talking last night and he, you know, we're kind of saying, you know, so what do you do then? Right. And he was saying, well, what I do then is I see what is it that's making me feel anxiety. If I'm identifying it as anxiety, what's making me feel anxious about it and address that. Right. And, and, and usually that's a thought. Right. That's a thought that, again, may not be true. And oftentimes is not absolutely true, right? Almost never is it absolutely true, but, but it may not be true at all, right? And when we can address that, now all of a sudden we see like, okay, yeah, that, that thought isn't real. It isn't true. It isn't really what I thought it was. So now I've still got this feeling in my body, but without the emotion that's caused by the thought, now it's excitement, and now I'm psyched. Now I can I can go forth in my life. And what he actually said is that the more he does this, the less sleep he seems to need. And that's so profoundly true because fear is exhausting, but excitement is rejuvenating right like that actually charges your batteries right so so yeah you do need less rest you do need less downtime if you're feeling excited right that's like when you get that feeling in the middle of the night you're working on something or in the middle of the day whenever it is you're working on something you just feel this rush of energy that you're allowed to you know you feel like you're you're able to just do Anything in the world, right? Like you can accomplish anything you need to accomplish, right? And if you know if you've done like a lot of times when I'm doing my writing at night, like I get that wave and I can just sit there for three hours now and just write and write and just let it pour out, right? Well, that's excitement, right? It's still stress, it's still a form of stress, actually, right? It's what we call eustress as opposed to distress, you know. But but it's still again the physical sensation, it's energy, it's my body giving me the energy to do something that it can tell I want to do, right? Rather than using that same energy to get me away from something that I feel is 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 afraid, right? Something I should be afraid of, that something's gonna hurt me. So now this gives, gives us another big, big question that we can ask, okay? And, you know, I've been making these videos for a long time. I hope most of you have been watching these videos for quite some time now because the question I'm about to ask you is, is a little bit more advanced. And, and and in the very beginning of talking about this stuff, I don't usually bring this up because it, it can be a little bit challenging to our logic. Okay? But we can ask ourselves, <clears throat> who is thinking? Right? Let, let's take it away from thoughts for a second, right? Because that's even harder to understand. Let's, let's take the question of who is breathing, right? As you're sitting there breathing, Right? You don't have to think about breathing. You don't have to do anything to make yourself breathe, right? Of course, yes, your body is actually breathing. But if it was up to you, let's be honest, right? If it was up to you, it was up to me to remember to constantly breathe, well, you know, most of us wouldn't survive, right? It just wouldn't happen because we'd get too busy. We'd forget, right? Um, and, and for that matter, let's consider holding your breath, right? If you try to stop breathing, right? There's only so long you can do that before your body just makes it happen, right? So that's what I'm talking about, right? And so so the, the physical breathing is something that your body is doing for you. It's not something you're doing, right? And so when we're paying attention to our breathing, what we're doing, and as we do this more and more often, we cultivate the, the, the understanding of Without words, but the understanding that, yeah, I'm not the one doing the breathing, I'm watching the breathing happen. I'm watching the person who, the, the thing that is doing the breathing. Right? And so really the the thought process is nothing different, right? Thoughts are just little, you know, neuronal connections that are happening in your brain, right? That are just, you know, triggered by, you know, again, a memory, right? Like you have a memory of something, like something you see reminds you of something that you saw uh, at some other point in your life, and now you have a thought that, that just kinda comes out from that, right? You're not making that happen, right? You're not, you're not saying, you know, there's no time at which we wake up and we have a completely blank slate, like a, a piece of white blank paper, and now we have to fill it with thoughts, right? The thoughts just happen, right? Because you're not the one thinking the thoughts. The thoughts are, are happening physiologically, right? And the same thing is true with the emotions, And the same thing is true with the sensations in your body. And so that brings us to a really important aspect of this work, right? As we start, especially with the emotions, okay? This is really, really important for the emotions. But it's important in every sense as we develop the the keen and sort of high definition awareness of our thoughts, our emotions, our sensations, and we do so with, again, this kind of detachment, what we call a third person detachment, right? Like it's not me doing all this, but it's I'm watching me do all of this, right? I know that might seem a little complicated, but stay with me, okay? What we can do then is we can non identify with what we're going through. Okay, and this is really important, folks, because in the interest of accepting what is happening, right, the more we can non identify with the things that are happening, the more we're going to be able to accept them, right? And as we accept them, we reduce the level of suffering that they might cause us. Okay, so let me give you an example, right? Whenever, we're, whenever anger is present, right, what do we say? We say, I am angry, right? Which indicates to our mind and <laughs> to our, our consciousness that everything about us is anger right now. Right? But that's simply not true. That's not how it happens. Okay. The emotions are things that are, are running through our body. It's a it's an electrical current that runs through our body. Right, not really electrical, but kinda like, you know, runs through our body and it doesn't last more than ninety seconds on its own. Right? Now, that's a neurosci- neuroanatomist named Jill Bolte-Taylor talks about this, okay? And you can look that up. And she, she's the, I mean, I'm sure there's many other neuroscientists that talk about this, but she's the one that I know that literally uh, 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 emotion in your body only lasts for 90 seconds, right? That means that it's an event just like the thoughts, just like the breathing, just like blinking your eyes, the heart beating, the, the liver doing what it does, the, the the reproductive system, you know, producing all these wonderful life-giving cells that make things possible for reproduction. All that stuff is happening without your involvement, right? I mean, it's happening in your body, but it's not something that you have to do, right? Like you're not creating. The, the ovary cells or the sperm cells in your body, right? That's happening on its own, right? That's just obviously just one very simple example, but you're not breathing, you're not making your heart beat, you're not making your eyes blink, you're not, sure, you can close your eyes, you can force yourself to blink, but all day, every day, you're blinking without even thinking about it, right? Because that's happening automatically. Well, the same thing is true for your, your emotions and your thoughts. Right, remember I said like the thoughts just pop out, right? They just come, they just they they're they're here and all of a sudden. We don't know where they came from, we don't know where they go to, but they're here for just a, a period of time, right? And usually it's a very brief period of time, in fact. And as we pay attention to it, we see that. We see how quickly these things go. And that allows us now to to again get this detachment this this you know non identification so getting back to the anger right the emotion right the emotion is just something that's arising in your body it's 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 brought on by the thought right, which is brought on by a part of your memory, right, either a traumatic memory from your childhood or, or from at some point in your life, you know, something is, is influencing that thought, right, and that's your memory, that's your past experience, right, and then that thought makes that emotion happen, right, you have a thought of a dog that's scary, I feel fear, I feel the emotion of fear, right, that emotion Right, like what I just said is much more accurate than saying, I am afraid, right? When you see that dog, the first thing you think of is like, I am afraid of that dog, meaning that my whole existence is all about fear about this dog. That's not accurate. What is more accurate to say is, I feel fear in my body right now as a result of the thought that comes from the memory of that dog when I was five years old that chased me down and bit me and I had to go get stitches, right? Like, you know, obviously there's lots of different, you know, every single thing that you can possibly think has its roots in some level of memory. So this is always true, right? It's always true to say that I am not my thoughts right? And my thoughts are not me. I am not my emotions. My emotions are not me. I am not the sensations of my body. The sensations of my body are not me. And when we can start to understand this and we can start to really, you know, embody this and really live this truth, right? Now, again, it's very, very easy to say, huh, as a curious kind of notion. I feel this fear in my body right now. Fear is happening here, and that's curious. Let me be present with it. Let me accept it, let me be present, let me examine it, right? And like my friend said, if there is something really to be afraid of, Right. Like if my if my safety is in, in jeopardy right now, well, then I have to take action to, to do something. And that's what emotions are really there for. Right. Emotions are there to, to push us towards things that we love and to get us away from things that we fear. Right. Because the things that we fear are likely to hurt us right? The things that we love are likely to help us. Although sometimes, you know, I mean, I love chocolate so much that, you know, it, it gets to be a, a bit of a problem. I loved alcohol for, for a long, long time. I loved the effects of alcohol and it became an addiction and it started to hurt my body. So, so this is another way in which even the emotions, can we trust them, right? Did I really love alcohol, right? Because alcohol was killing me. So did I really love it? Or was I really afraid of it, but I couldn't stop going for it because I loved the the sensation of the numbness that it gave me, right? And this is where it can get very, very deep and complicated, you know, and this is part of our journey together as we're doing, as we're practicing mindfulness together, I mean within ourselves, right? Or if you happen to work with me, this is something that we go through together, um, but as you're developing this, this is these are the truths that start to emerge. And as these truths emerge, you know, again, we're able to meet the emotions. Even the ones that make us very, very, you know, unsettled, we're able to meet them with a non-judging acceptance, a curious acceptance or an accepting curiosity, whichever way you want to look at it. And, and when we can do that, now we can learn about ourselves and about what motivates us, right? We can learn that, okay, hmm, I had this thing happen to me this one time a long time ago and that is driving my decision-making. And look at the pattern that I'm stuck in now. Look at these cycles, I wonder why I'm always coming up with this, you know, this problem in my life, right? And now once we can see it with that kind of curiosity, well now we can just take a step back and say, you know what? I'm going to choose to not think that, like my friend with the anxiety. When he can choose to see that the, the, the fear was coming from some thought that usually is not true, now he can choose to release that thought and now just feel the excitement in his body, right? And because the same thing, you know, just, you know, excitement and, and anxiety are, you know, very, say, like, like the feeling of love and the feeling of tragic loss are not all that much different in your body either. The difference is where your thoughts and your emotions are coming from in the, you know, to, to make that sensation in your body. So when we allow ourselves to, to break free from that attachment that we have to those things, then we can start to really grow beyond them and we can really start to to develop as people and to really, ultimately, become our authentic selves. And that, my friends, is what it's all about. Because once we can be our authentic self, then every decision we make, every action we take comes from that place of authenticity and integrity and, and, you know, and just you know, just what's good for us, right? And that's where we're going. And that's what that's kind of where this whole thing leads to. All right, folks, I know I gave you a lot today. So (laughs) this is a big one. So if you have any questions, or if you if you want to talk more about this, please feel free to get in touch with me. Okay, I'd love to have obviously I'd love to talk about this, right? And it won't cost you a dime to have a conversation. Okay, I'd love to talk about it. So if you'd like to talk about, me, talk about it, please contact me. But also, if you'd like to consider getting into a program of coaching so that we can work on this together, well, get in touch with me on that, too, and I'll talk to you, talk to you about how, how that happens and, and how, you know, honestly, it's pretty accessible. I, I I make it a point not to be too pricey so that people can afford it because I know how important this is and I know how helpful it can be. And so I'm here for you. So anyway, so thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And uh, I appreciate you. I'll be back again on Monday with some more um, more information about mindfulness and the benefits and, and some practices. And believe it or not, we are supposed to have like a 100 degree weather all through Monday. And then on Tuesday here in Colorado, we're expecting like a few inches of snow. <laughs> So that's something I choose to to use as a as an object of my practice for acceptance. <laughs> so I'll go over all that with you on Monday and Tuesday. I'll I'll show you some snow in the video on Tuesday if it comes. All right everybody. Thank you very much. I wish you well. I'll talk to you soon.